Hello and welcome back to Endeavor, both the audio podcast and the YouTube show. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. We're going to be talking about college course selection today, and with me is Noel Um. Uh, Noel is an instructor for test prep and academic tutoring. Hey, Noel, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. So before we get into the topic of college course selection, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, things like that. Yep. So I graduated college uh, in 2016. I graduated with a BA in history from Carnegie Mellon University. And then I went straight to grad school from there. Um, this past year, I received my MA in anthropology from Columbia University. Uh, and now I am working as an instructor here at Triton. And my favorite thing to teach is probably history. Um, I'm a huge history nerd. And yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I'm also excellent on the history nerd. I am as well. Oh, history nerds. Yes. <laughs> history major, Brandeis University. So. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of what I, I want to go into, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you is because uh, not only uh, or do we have some things in common, we were both history majors, but also uh, generationally, I was class of 1994 uh, from Brandeis University. That was so, the year I was born. So that is <laughs> horrifying and frightening, and, and I'm very sad now, as you can see. Uh, and you were class of 2016, so that I think will give us a little bit of a different feel for... Uh, both the, the historically and for the current college students. Mm -hmm. So the topic I wanted to talk about was college course selection. So let's start with that. When you were at Carnegie Mellon and you were a history major, um, how many courses did it take for the history major? Um, exact number of courses, um, I'm not too sure. Okay. I would say probably... Um, hmm. I think 36 required. Oh, yes, but I meant was for the history oh, major. Like, how many courses were in the history major? Oh, offered. How many courses were offered? No, how many did you have to take to get oh. the major? How many courses did I have to take? Um, I think it was about 12. 12? 12. 12 required courses and then a certain number of um, required electives. So okay. it could be any other electives within the history department. Okay. It's kind of up to you. Great. Um, that's interesting. Well, because again, it's similar but a little bit different. I went to Brandeis. Uh, there were 32 courses required like, that you had to take in your four years. The history major was eight, which included uh, some general recommended requirements and electives. Mm -hmm. So we see have a little bit different uh, experience mm -hmm. in terms of the number of classes. And did Carnegie Mellon have a core requirement? Uh, so every uh, incoming freshman had to take global histories. Okay. And that was regardless of major. So it was a required history course. There was one required history course and then one required um, writing. It was a kind of an English rhetoric course. Mm -hmm. And all freshmen had to take those two courses. Um, so Global Histories was my first introduction to history at the college level. Um, and that was pretty much the only required history course that you had to take. Mm -hmm. uh, you ended up having to take a senior seminar as well as an introductory uh, introductory research methods class, um, but other than that, I don't remember very many other requirements. Okay. So again, that contradicts a little bit with what my experience was at Brandeis, but again, this was back in the 90s, so things may have changed. We had eight required courses for the core program that we had to take. Uh, for example, uh, freshman writing class, A history class, A science class, mm -hmm. A math class, two humanities classes, 
And then um, I think there was a sports requirement. Like we had to take at least one gym class, which is weird. It was Sounds college. like high school. <laughs> it does, but you had to take it something, something athletic. And then um, I'm not sure what the eighth one was, but I knew there were eight because I was like, oh my gosh, eight. So that was kind of leading uh, into what I was thinking about is one of the things that I hear from uh, high school students a lot is confusion as to what college is really like in that transition from high school to college. For example, at the high school level, normally you take courses all year long unless you have uh, one of the more rare schools that have semesters Mm -hmm. with different courses. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the the average high school experience is from September across to June, you take a class. And you take five, six, seven, eight classes every year. You take your core requirements, English, math, history, science, a language, some electives, maybe gym, maybe health, maybe some academic electives, maybe some art classes, art, music, theater. And that's your course load. But in general, you don't get a say in the classes you take. Mm-hmm. When you're signing up for English and you're going into your junior year, you're taking English 3. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that You don't get a choice. You might have an option between college prep and honors, mm-hmm. maybe, but you don't get a choice a lot of the time. Uh, maybe if you're going into your senior year and you're deciding on AP classes, there's some level of choice. Am I going to do science APs because I'm a sciencey person? Am I going to do more humanities APs because I'm more of a humanities person? But other than that, it's still, for most students, one history, one science, one math, one English, and a foreign mm-hmm. language. College is very different in that way. Would you find, did you find that to be true as well? So I think uh, freshman year, you still have some element of Um, structure in terms of having those required courses and those are just basic requirements in order to graduate from that university Mm -hmm. Um, but after you declare your major then you have more flexibility in terms of which specific electives you're going to be able to take Um, and that's where a lot of students tend to branch outside of their department and start to explore taking courses in Mm -hmm. different departments. We'll talk about that before I talk about uh, my experience. So for you, uh, you took your general requirements freshman year. Yes, but I also started out as a professional writing major. Uh, I switched majors three times actually Um, and that was a part of me trying to explore Mm -hmm. which academic fields most interested me. And for listeners and viewers at home, uh, don't, don't uh, take what Noel said harshly or think of it harshly. In fact, uh, studies have shown that the average high school student changes majors at least twice. So that's pretty so normal. No need to stress out. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, back in the day changed majors. I started out pre-law and ended up double majoring history and theater arts. Um, I actually think this is a really important point to bring up because so many students in the application process feel as though they need to assign themselves to a specific career or academic down a specific academic path. Um, And that puts a lot of pressure and anxiety on the high school student. Mm. Um, And I think that just going into the college application process even with a little bit of a more open mind, understanding the things that interest you at the moment and knowing that those things might change Mm -hmm. later on is a really, really important attitude to have because I think it keeps you open to the possibility that you could go down a completely different path than the one that you were expecting. And I think that that is a part of the exploration process that is um, crucial to the college experience, I think. 
I would agree. I would agree. I think even if you are more generally pigeonholing yourself as a science person or a humanities person, there's so many different options within that. Like I went from pre-law to history. That's not a huge leap. Mm -hmm. They're related fields. There's a lot that overlaps. Mm -hmm. Or if someone goes from English to poli-sci, they're not that different. I mean, yes, the focus is different and and the content is different, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of reading and a lot of writing and it's a lot of the same topics that might interest you. So that makes sense that you you don't want to pigeonhole yourself when you walk in the door. Uh, I know that there are some schools that require you to declare a major as you apply. Mm -hmm. Many state schools do that. They want you to declare a major during the application process, Mm -hmm. where a lot of private universities tend to do the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wasn't allowed to select a major until the middle of my sophomore year. Yes. So uh, at Brandeis, you just, you, you could take classes, but you couldn't declare officially and some schools make you wait all the way to the beginning of your junior year right. before you're allowed to officially declare a major because they expect you to change your mind so much in those first two years. Right. And building off of what you said in terms of understanding yourself as maybe more of a humanities person or more of a STEM person, I think that um, the skills that you're using in the major that you first start out with are going to be used in any sort of major that you decide to declare after that point. For instance, I started out as a professional writing major and then I changed to international relations and politics and then I changed to history and then I added an anthropology minor and that's what I graduated with. I was like, okay, no more, no more changing majors. Um, But I used a lot of my um, writing skills obviously when I switched into international relations and politics and a lot of my critical thinking skills, um, my intellectual curiosity, my understanding of global systems, that carried with me into um, my studies in history and then also kind of helped add on my interest in anthropology. I'd have to, I'd have to second that because the initial courses I took for the pre-law major freshman year um, fed right into my history major and actually with some of them I could, could have even slipped into an English major mm-hmm. with those same courses and yeah. having them count towards that new major because they were about the, the theory of knowledge and, and, and how to think and how to communicate. So it, would, it would, would still have worked for me either way. So let's talk a little bit about um, the classes you selected. Now you were a history major, as was I. And uh, at Carnegie Mellon, within the history department, did you have to pick a concentration for your history major? I did not. Okay. So that was something that was a little bit different. The department was shifting at the time towards calling the, the history department and the history major socio-political history. Um, but we didn't have to establish any sort of concentration within history, no. All right, again, that, that's interesting. At Brandeis at the time, generally they encouraged you to do that, and I took the uh, path of a general concentration in history, which was, I was discouraged by my advisor from doing that, mostly because he was looking at it from the perspective of my ability to apply to uh, PhD programs in history if I had wanted to do that, that that would have been, uh, that would have been something that put me at a disadvantage for those programs. Not that I, I did not end up doing that, and that was not my interest at the time. So that's why I was I was just interested in finishing the history major. I didn't really care about a concentration. Mm-hmm. So what sort of courses did you take in your history major? So even though I didn't establish a concentration, I tended to lean more towards being interested in U.S. history. So I took courses on the Industrial Revolution, women in American history. Um, 
I also took some world history courses. I took a uh, history on modern China. Um, so I tried to kind of spread myself beyond what I was comfortable with. Um, and that actually is what led me towards some anthropology courses because they were categorized under the history department. And anything that sounded interesting to me, I signed up for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that leads me to an interesting point. And one of the things about, about college is that you were taking classes in the history major. But some of the classes could have counted towards a different major and ultimately, it sounds like, led towards counting towards a minor. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you can do that. Uh, for example, uh, there, were actually, there was actually one history course I took which counted both towards my history major and counted towards my theater major. Uh, so that actually can occur yeah. and you can express different interests uh, and, and acquire different degree, like different aspects to your degree with different majors and minors by taking courses that will qualify equally for more than one major or a major and a minor. So that's interesting. So to, to juxtapose with your experience, because I knew I wasn't really going to concentrate on anything, uh, even though I had, I, I was, this, the department was leading me towards that, I spread myself out and really tried to take as varied uh, a, a number of classes as possible. Uh, so I did have to take the required U.S. history class and the required European history class. Mm -hmm. But I also took a uh, history of science, which was a really fascinating class. I loved that class. Um, the funny thing is, as a person who I've talked, to, I've talked about myself on the pod numerous times as a person who uh, saw science and math as my weakness in, in, in high school. Those are the areas where I was definitely at a disadvantage. But I really feel like I didn't really gain an interest or love of, of science until I took this history of science class. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding you know, who Einstein was and what the theory of relativity was and chaos theory and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's just about approaching a topic that mm -hmm. you may not be interested in from a different perspective. I completely agree. Yeah, it was really quite meaningful for me. I also took uh, an African history class, which again was, you know, as a as a white Jewish person growing up in New Jersey in the 1980s, not something that I was thinking about a lot as a child. Just it wasn't my cultural background. But I really feel that it's greatly informed my understanding of the world uh, and allowed me to be a more uh, broad-minded and thoughtful adult. Mm -hmm. Is seeing the history and culture of communities that I'm not a part of. Mm -hmm. So that was really fascinating to me. I did do uh, uh, one course on Roman history and a course on medieval history. And I think that also has given me a, an interesting perspective on, on uh, modern European politics. So classes like that, the class that overlapped was a Russian uh, literature and history class. And that class counted both towards my theater major from the literature side. It was. Uh, a lot on Russian theatrical traditions, okay. and as a history major. And interestingly enough, it would have counted towards an English major if I'd done That's that. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, it definitely would have. And also a Russian major, would have counted towards a Russian <laughs> major. So that class would have counted towards four different majors, only two of which applied to me. But you know, I actually was three quarters of the way towards a medieval studies minor, but wow. I, I didn't quite take enough classes. That's it, super interesting. That's something that I wish my university had. We didn't have any medieval history really? courses. Really? Yes. Oh. I mean, the interesting thing was the, 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 the two, two of the courses that I took that applied to that, the Roman history and the medieval history class, uh, were taught by the same professor, and he was, a, he was a delight. He was a hoot. In fact, I took the Roman history class mostly, again, because of my interest in theater and, and, and uh, ancient literature, mm -hmm. 
And because he was such a great professor, just so engaging, that actually led me to take another one of his classes. Mm -hmm. So again, it, beyond just the topic, sometimes it's the people, whether it's your fellow students, the cohort with whom you're studying, or the professor that will interest you in a topic. Um, a, a, another class that I took, uh, which was American Musical Theater, which was a lecture class, it wasn't a performance class, uh, which I loved at Brandeis, was one of the most popular courses on campus. and they actually had to put it in um, uh, the concert hall on campus because three, four hundred students would take this class. Mm -hmm. Only a handful of which were music or theater majors. The most, of them, most of the students taking this class would take it for their general creative arts mm -hmm. requirement because it was such a popular and fun class and we'd get to listen to musicals and, and watch scenes from musical films and read scripts. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you get to take a class that's just fun. Yeah. I think that one thing I didn't know um, starting out in college that I realized was possible when I, when I was in my um, third year um, was that I enrolled in some of the classes um, being taught at the graduate level at Carnegie Mellon University. So I took a course on aesthetics and critical judgment that was within, I think, the arts management um, master's program. And I think the graduate courses stretch you in terms of thinking more um, in an interdisciplinary mindset. I also um, was very honored to be in a specific program called the Humanities Scholars Program that allowed us to take courses with our cohort on um, specific topics that spanned different disciplines. So for instance, we took one course on uh, neoliberalism and architecture, um, and all of us were different humanities majors, and we came together and were thinking about architecture and art and philosophy and history uh, and it really pushing the boundaries of how we approached one single topic and I think that those courses are what really um, pushed me the most and so that's just something that I would encourage um, viewers at home to think about um, when they are choosing their courses. If any course is more interdisciplinary it would be a it's sometimes a good gateway into exploring mm -hmm. um, a different topic or um, academic field that you might not have considered previously. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I had a similar experience with a, with a course that I took that was technically part of the pre-law honors program that I was in freshman year, but I ended up, of course, switching to a history major. But that class was a mix of writing, poetry, uh, and you'd think, well, pre-law, but it was more about, like, critical thinking. Yeah. And so you, uh, you would find, at least I found, students from all different majors uh, who were kind of double majoring pre-law who were in that class, which led to a really interesting environment. And a lot of them were older students. I took it as a freshman. Mm -hmm. That was often a class that juniors and seniors took. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things I want to talk about before we end our time together today uh, is an interesting thing that I did that I always recommend to students, and it's not always an option. For example, talking to you today about your experience at Carnegie Mellon, I don't know if this would have worked for you, but because there was such a discreet, specific, core program at Brandeis, these eight core courses that you had to take to graduate regardless of major, that I found that what I didn't want to do was front load all my core classes my freshman year and not take any classes that interested me. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of students force themselves to do this, to take those core classes freshman year, and then they lose interest in college because they're not studying what they want to study. It just feels like 13th grade. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a problem. So what I did was I ended up taking those eight um, core classes and I spread them out one per semester. So I was still taking the last semester of my senior year a core class. I took my core science class, uh, basically intro to biology 
my last semester. <laughs> on the one hand, this was, I found a really good strategy because I was double majoring. So I was taking one or two history classes and one or two theater classes every semester along with one core class. On the other hand, it stressed me out in that biology is not my strong suit and if I failed that class, I wouldn't graduate. <laughs> I didn't right. have another chance to take right. it again. <laughs> so there is that balance. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously that's not something that was an experience that you had because your, the school you attended had a different way of dealing with those core programs. Right. Um, the last thing I wanna talk about is both of us have gone to graduate school and again, a lot of high school students are not thinking about graduate school, mm -hmm. although some are, some are thinking, I wanna be a lawyer, I wanna be a doctor and they're gonna to have to deal with graduate programs, but how did you find the difference in course selection at the graduate level in comparison to the undergraduate level in your experience? At the graduate level, everything's much more tailored. So even your required courses to complete your major are going to be um, within your field of interest. They're going to be helping you. They're providing a foundation of theory and research methods that will assist you in your completion of a master's thesis if that's, in, if that's a part of your program. Um, so I found that I enjoyed every single class I signed up for. And if I signed up for a course that I felt wasn't a good fit, I would just drop it and then select a new course. So I think there's a lot more flexibility in terms of um, any elective that you take would fall under um, contributing to um, your graduation requirements. So, so it's interesting because I have two master's degrees, one in uh, the arts and one in education. I find that I have a similar experience in the arts programs and that other than a few required classes, there was a lot of flexibility in what I could take. Uh, so long as it led towards my major and it was an approved course. Where when I was in my Master's of Ed program, uh, there were 12 classes. This is the exact order we had to take it, and those are the only 12 classes which we had an option. And I found that in speaking with a lot of my friends and colleagues that certain programs are like that. Especially programs like MBAs. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, if you're going to an MBA and you're going specifically for management, these are the 12 courses you're going to take. So your mileage may vary at the graduate level, but depending on what you're studying and what sort of degree you're trying to accomplish. You got an MA, I understand, mm -hmm. where an MBA or an M M MFA or an MED might be more structured at the graduate level. Mm -hmm. so, so before we uh, end up today, any uh, parting thoughts on your mind about college course selection or things that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to talk about? Um, not too much. I would just encourage students to not stress out too much about it at this point. Um, college is fun. Um, it's an, it's a, an opportunity to explore new fields and really enjoy learning. Um, I think that's so important uh, that you are taking courses that you enjoy and are invested in and can get passionate about. I would agree with that completely. I mean, that's the big thing. When I went to college, other than that biology class my senior year and a stats class that actually helped out in my history major, I didn't have to do much math and science stuff, which was my area of weakness, and I spent all my time doing history classes and theater stuff. So that was so much fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved my undergraduate experience because I was studying what interested me. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about here. Thank you so much, Noelle, for being on the pod and on the video show. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you're listening at home and you're hearing the sound of my voice or seeing us on YouTube, please remember to subscribe. Uh, you can click the subscribe button and you'll 
get notifications uh, when new episodes post. And if you're listening on a podcast app, they might download automatically and, and be waiting for you for when you're ready for your commute or your time at the gym or just a walk around your neighborhood, which is always good for you too. Uh, please feel free to comment and like us or share the episodes. We've got a Twitter feed, at EndeavorPod, where you can ask me questions and I'll be happy to answer them. And as always, let's keep learning.